The Listen In Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. That's right. Your follows, your likes, or your reviews are very helpful to help our podcast grow. Please leave us a review on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud or Stitcher, and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you. Listen in podcast episode 33. You just heard our um, NPR equivalent or brother station. Um, he also works for the same network as Shock Jock Jacques. But he's on. He is on like the NPR equivalent. Uh, he does like indie rock. And, Does he have a name that we know of yet? Uh, I mean, I didn't catch his name when he was doing the, the plug for us. I didn't catch it. We'll tweet it out when we... Yeah, when I, didn't, we, I didn't catch it. We'll get but, back to him. Yeah, yeah, but... But episode 33, Sean, 33, Larry Bird. That's right. Whose picture we have up in our new house, where we are back for this episode. That's right, yeah, we were on the road for the last one, on our way to the Hotel Here show. We're up in Jake's room now. We're trying out some different locales, see what yeah. sounds the best, see what flows the best. I think this is a pretty good setup right now. I think the sound's going to be solid. Sean's room is uh, more of a square with wood floors, mm-hmm. so the, the, it has a little bit more echo. Hopefully up here, the, the, with the carpet, it's a little more muted. So we'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, let us know what you think. Um, so we had a little bit of news this past week, Jake. It mm-hmm. took the internet by storm, took Twitter by storm. This is the Taylor Swift and Kanye West saga playing out again. Um, I feel so, like, first of all, this is weirdly the thing we've talked about somewhat the most on our podcast. We've talked about Kanye and his hijinks, specifically with Taylor Swift, maybe five, six times. Yeah, because we talked about it when the song came out on Famous. We talked about the fallout afterwards. Mm-hmm. We talked about other things with it. Keeps coming up. It's the story that won't die. So... Okay, for anybody who doesn't know, you know what? No, everybody knows what's happening. There's with this. no question. I don't, I'm not even giving background on it. What do you make of this? D- does it matter? So first of all, so I'm clear, Kim basically just released the is it audio or video? Because I didn't. It was a Snapchat story. Okay, I didn't... which I don't think you normally use. You're not a Snapchat story guy. I sometimes will look through my friend's Snapchat stories, but you don't normally have one. I don't put them up. Okay, uh, with rare exceptions. Gotcha. Um. Did so? Did you watch slash listen to this? I did. You know what's funny is um, the black community was saying they were mad at Kanye because he was using what they deemed his "I'm talking to white people" voice. What was that voice? <laughs> it's dude. It's him talking to Taylor Swift. He's like, he's got like this really polite um, tone of voice. I guess you could really? call it. So he's talking differently. Yes. And they're like, oh, Kanye's got his he's talking to a white person voice Well, on. don't give him shit for that. Give society shit yeah. for that. Yeah, Like, what pressures did he feel so that he feels he has to do that? Either way... It's, it's the equivalent of when you're talking to your boss or someone in a professional a parent, context. A friend's parent. You talk differently than you would with your friends. Yeah, your I'm tone a, of voice is different. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't call... Yeah, like I'm not making fun of like my friend's mom and dad when I walk in the house. I'm like being very warm and friendly. <laughs> right. And like making polite conversation without swears. That's basically what he was doing. So I did okay. watch the video and he was he was going through the rap for her and he said, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. And then he like kind of explained it. Okay. And then she's like, Okay, yeah, like that's that's funny. And okay, so Here's where I'm at, because I'm on Taylor Swift's side on this. Yeah, I think you should I'm on Taylor Swift's side. Realistically, you should be. She, just because someone calls you up on the phone and is like, oh, hey, um, just as a heads up, I'm going to release this song with lyrics about you that are, like, disparaging to you. Um, Just just a heads up. That doesn't make it okay. No. And what are you supposed to do when that person calls you up? Are you supposed to be like, no, you can't do it? Right. Or you you play along like she did. She's like, oh... Yeah, okay. So, honestly, at this point, I feel like it's only Kim and Kanye who won't let this go. Because, like, now Kim feels like she has to come out and defend Kanye by releasing this, like, footage. I, uh, first of all, I didn't... Was it a video or was it audio? Both. 
Okay. Uh, video with audio. So video. <laughs> <laughs> no, because you can have silent videos. Jake. Right, but I was operating under the assumption that if it was video, there would be accompanying audio. But I, so I found the article, and like, or one one of the articles that that plugged this story, and I was like, okay, I guess I'll fucking look into this. So I clicked it. Couldn't immediately within five seconds find the clip, so I never oh, watched it because okay. I'm seriously, okay. I just can't take it. At this point, yes, I'm on Taylor Swift's side. Kanye and Kim, they're crazy. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. Why keep bothering so, her about this? The internet was aflame on Sunday night. Yeah. Twitter was blowing up over this. Um, people were piling on Taylor Swift, and they were like, oh, like, they put you in your place. Like, you were lying this whole time about giving mm. approval. But did they, though? No, they didn't. And that Because when you look at it, she, on the call, all she said was just like, oh, yeah, like, thanks for reaching out. I'm so happy you would even think to, like, reach out to me. She never, first of all, Which, all they talked about was the, I feel like we might still have sex line. It was never the, I made that bitch famous Which line. Which seems like it's the thing that's bothering It is, more. and that's what she said. She, she said, uh, no, I'm more upset about being called a bitch. Yeah. And he was like, I know that months ago he said that in the rap community that's a term of endearment. But still, um, but he it's has all to about, know the baggage around that. Yeah, it's all about context because, for example, you people can't just go around saying the N-word because in a certain context it's okay no. for people of that skin color to say it. I think it's funny. It's the ultimate Kanye move, too, to be like, me and Taylor are on rocky, rocky standing to begin with and at best. Like, we're maybe, we're, we save face in the public eye. And he's like, okay, I know what I'll do. I'll rap about her, call her a bitch, say we still might have sex, and this will be all cool. For, I don't understand this move by him. I mean, actually, no, I do, because it's him. But I don't understand why it seems like they won't let it die. Like, she, like at this point, you have to leave Taylor Swift alone. Yeah. Like, just leave her alone and it will go away. This brings me to my second point here, is doesn't all of this feel very fabricated? You mean like it was like... They, like they're all in on this together. Including Taylor. Yes. Because no one hmm. is more of a f like concise, planned out star than Taylor Swift is. Her whole aura and brand and everything about her is completely planned and... I don't want to say fabricated, but it's... It's very okay. precise in what it's trying to get across to the general public. I, and in all of her relationships that she's been in, more than one of them have just been like kind of publicity stunts. Because she's like, she recognizes, oh, this person's popular right now. If I attach myself to them and then we have like this fake relationship and then we break up, both of our stars are going to rise. I can get down with that. Two sort of clarifying, one's a thought, one's a question. One is that... I feel like if you're as famous on a level of a Taylor Swift, Kanye West, or Kim Kardashian, the lines are maybe blurred, and you might not even know the difference between doing that and manipulating the public and what you're actually doing for yourself. I feel like your life, because you're so used to everything being dis dissected by the public eye, it's almost like just a part of what you expect now. It's one consideration you make. Like, if I were to, like decide to leave the state and go to school somewhere else. I'd be like, okay, what do my friends think? What does Mary Kate think? What does my mom think? For like, if you're, or like, you know, my family, if you're a Kim Kardashian, if you're a Taylor Swift, you're like, well, what will the public think? Because you always have to think about that. The second question is, if it was intentional, I guess this is the only question. My first was a statement. Um, what do you think, like, what is there to gain? Just more publicity? Because I feel like they're famous enough already. <laughs> It's it's the uh, I don't know it's if the curse of more. It's just like yeah. I want more. I'm Does this famous. Can... I can be more famous. So, like, what what happens when in like four months Taylor and Kanye are on a song together? That's gonna break the internet more so that be, right. because this was already a thing. Yeah. So these people are so conniving and smart about the way that they position themselves. I can't help but think that this is somehow just. An extension of that, and I get—I almost feel like it's like they can't even help it at this point. Because right. I think the, they, I think the lines are so blurred with them between knowing what is just posturing and what's actually real, and what they're doing on purpose and what they're not. They don't—they don't probably don't even know. That's like what you I'm said. saying. Yeah. Is like is like their life forever since all of them were pretty young has been. There's been this other consideration of how will the public perceive this. 
should I do it or should I, like, how can I twist this? Right. So that it's seen in a way that's favorable for me. So the other interesting thing is that immediately people were saying there's legal recourse for Taylor Swift here because she was right. unknowingly recorded. Um, now, at first, it seemed like that seemed that was legitimate and that she could sue them and take them to court because in California, where Kanye and Kim were making the call from, if you want to record a phone call, you need to let the other person know that there's other people listening or that you're recording. Yeah. So that was the initial thought was, oh, Kanye and Kim are fucked. Like, they messed up. However, what the video shows is that Rick Rubin was in the background who they let Taylor know was also listening in. And as soon as she knew that someone else was listening in, there goes any any recourse she had for saying, I was unknowingly being recorded or really? listened to because there was a third party. Wow. That's honestly a very clutch uh, play by Rick Rubin that yeah. he didn't know he was doing. Good Maybe he him. did, though. That's Maybe the thing. He did. That's the thing is the whole, who knows how deep this all goes. This is a new segment. I'm making it up right now. Okay. Conspiracy theories. Yep. The conspiracy theory, slash maybe true theory in this case, is that they're all in on this. Yep. Planning it to become more famous and maybe take over the government. Uh, I like this conspiracy theory. The take over the government thing. You know, I mean, Kanye did say 2020, Kanye for president. This could be the first play. A Kanye... Is it a coincidence that this happened right before the Republican National Convention? I don't think we can... Connect the dots, Jake. I don't think we can, being two rational people, say that, you can't th discount that they're that. not related. No. They're related, for sure. They are. Also, we just had our first black president. We're probably about to have our first female president. What's next? A ticket with both. That's right. Connect the dots, people. Kim Kanye 2020. That was conspiracy theories. That's our new segment, conspiracy theories. Let me ask you this. Last last thing on Taylor and Kanye. Do you care? Does this matter at all? In what? In, in if it does, in what way? So with this story, I cared enough to click on the story, yeah. read through it, and then not find the clip, and then forget about it. Okay. I think it's interesting, but all in all, I, if I were going to rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 how much I care, it's like a 3. Yeah. I don't care Okay, let much. me put it this way. No, it doesn't matter in the scope of the world and what's actually happening in the sure. bad shit that's going on. No, it absolutely doesn't matter. But this is the internet. This is how the internet works in 2016. This is what floods our news feeds and the news cycle for a few days. So in that way, yeah, it does matter, I guess. Just from a pop culture and I guess just like knowing what's going on, yeah. water cooler perspective. Surrounds it. You can't escape yeah. it. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because people on Facebook will post these things where it's like, this soldier died today and no no one will talk about it, but you'll talk about Taylor Swift and Kanye. It's like 98% of you won't share. That's the like, equivalent... That's like the equivalent of when people were calling Caitlyn Jenner brave and you had a bunch of people coming out and posting statuses that were like, this is real bravery. And it was like a soldier like plugging his buddy's wound. It's like you understand that there are different forms of bravery, right? right? And that it is also brave to say, hey, guess what? I'm a 60-year-old man who's been a woman my whole life. Right. And that's still like maybe not socially acceptable. And that also by me doing this and saying this on this platform, this very public platform, it's going to make it okay for millions of other people who feel the same way as me. Like, do you not get that? And that's not me necessarily defending Caitlyn Jenner, because I think Caitlyn Jenner is, like, kind of weird in a lot of other ways, like, doesn't totally support gay marriage. Um, and I don't really like Caitlyn Isn't Jenner as a she person. a Republican, too? Like, e, very conservative. Just, yeah, it seems to fly in the face of, like, what she's all about. You know what? I don't know. Free thinker, for sure. Yeah. All I'll say is... I hate that stuff. It's a false equivalency. Like, oh, like, police were killed today. Military, uh, our armed, our troops were killed today. Yeah. But all you'll talk about is Kim and Kanye. Like, okay, it's called diversion. It's like a little bit of distraction from right. the shit in the world. Like, like I understand that you can have two different thoughts about that. You can understand that, yeah, this one thing's happening in a completely different avenue than what this other thing is happening in. And I was about to say, sh what, should I go on and post every day about the troops? But I don't post about anything any day right. on Facebook. Right. Facebook is like, it's a vortex of just dumb shit. It is. Pretty much everything you see on Facebook yeah. is stupid. It is. And just makes me mad. Yeah. And with that, I think that's actually a great segment into our next thing here, which we want to talk about music snobbery a yeah. little bit. So you just got a little bit of a taste about our 
social media snobbery. That was a snobby take by me. Yeah, it was. A little bit. It was. I mean, I listen, Facebook's great for family, but... Uh, Is it? No. No, it's not. It's not, because it's where I, like, I'm like, oh, family members are being dumb on Facebook, and they use it wrong, and they're making themselves look stupid. But anyways... Sorry to cut your segue off. No, that's actually it's perfect because let's I want to talk about music snobbery a little bit. So this is in reaction to the latest Celebration Rock podcast by Stephen Hyde, and we've mentioned this a lot on our podcast before. We're big fans. And he had an interesting conversation this week about With Amanda Petrosich. That's right, who um writes for the New Yorker. She writes for Pitchfork sometimes too. I think she wrote that and, Tusk review that just happened over the weekend, which was a really good write-up on Fleetwood Mac. And based on her interview with Haydn or talk, it sounds as though she's a teacher somewhere. Yeah. NYU, I think. Yeah, yeah. So she teaches music criticism. And she's got She's uh, in the know. Very very knowledgeable. Doing a lot of stuff. Great podcast. And what they talked about is they talked about is the stereotype of that music snob who looks down on everything. Is that dying out? Is that particular trope still a thing anymore? And the frame of reference they were speaking from, being I think two people in their mid to late 30s, was of the guy who hangs out in record stores, maybe works at a record store, um, back when record stores were like the cultural touchstone for where people would go to get music, and, and they would sort of be in the know about what music is cool, what music is acceptable, and and look down on anything else that's that's beneath that bar, and in the podcast they talked about how, or especially Stephen Hyden seemed to think that that is sort of gone, and we were talking Sean about the fact that, or I was saying at least I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you and I and a lot of our friends are sort of hybrids between these things, because we, I think, have discerning tastes with music, but I think in the last couple of years especially we've been a lot better about. Like, for example, we always say, like, no such thing as a guilty pleasure. Like what you like. Um, but we also sort of are people who, like on the last episode, will break down a TV on the radio discussion about two albums and sort of talk about what's better from a critical point of view. So I don't know where to put us. I think that's where this stereotype is going. I think it's turning into this hybrid that you just mentioned. So Haydn saying that these types of people don't exist anymore or in the same context that they once existed in is probably true. I think a lot of these people and these conversations are just happening in different ways. I think the internet has revolutionized the way that music criticism and music discussion happens because you have so many different blogs and avenues and think pieces being written now. You can get whatever take you want depending on what website you go to. And it's all kind of, you know, you're going to be more inclined to read and look at the things that you agree with. So if you fall in line with Pitchfork and what they're saying, you're going to go on there and you're going to read what they have to say. If you're more in line with Absolute Punk and what they're all about, you're more inclined to do that. It's the same for any of these different avenues. So I think what you're finding is in these comment sections or in these specific places, it's people who are finding like-minded individuals and maybe these conversations just aren't as happening aren't hap happening as much as they would have otherwise. I liked it when you said aren't as happening because that sounds like they're not as cool as they used to. Be. <laughs> yeah, um, not as happening. I think that music snobbery still does exist, and I think one of the most interesting things about it that I was just thinking about is that whereas in the '90s, probably '80s, the way to be the music snob was to disparage and look down upon all forms of art that were overly commercial or were seemingly less artistically realized. Now, I think it's something both of us do. A thing to do is be like, yeah, I listen to this. Yes. What of it? Yes. Like, yeah, I like the Backstreet it, Boys. So what? It's You're absolutely right. It The way to be cool now yeah. is to own those super pop commercialized pieces of music. Like, for example, we'll be at a party... Um, and usually, I'm the one that ends up putting the playlist together. The and, Iron Chef of playlists, as we've talked about. And sitting right next to Japan Droids and TV on the radio will be a Backstreet Boys song. Show me the meaning of being lonely. Or it will be the new Taylor Swift single. Or it will be it, the new Drake song. And instead of discussions from the music snobs in the group of like, this is so uh, commercial, like making fun of it for being just like so... Um, what's the word uh, formulaic and so poppy and clearly pandering to the common listener 
the discussion is sort of like, listen to how great this songwriting is. Yeah. Like, really listen to it. There's a reason this is famous. The dudes who write for the Backstreet Boys, the people who are their, their hired gun songwriters, are amazing. They write great songs. It's not just the Backstreet Boys. It could be any pop group. So it's funny because what Haydn is talking about is this person who would shit all over that and make other people afraid to admit that they like pop music. Right. What we have flipped it on is we own liking that pop music so hard, I think people become afraid of shitting on it. On stuff, yeah. Because they're like, wait a minute, I, I actually don't have any recourse for this. I don't have any I don't have any defense for this because yeah, it's catchy. Yeah. Like what am I gonna say? Like we've taken the power away from shitting on <laughs> it's <true>. pop music. <laughs> yeah, it, but what's funny about that is that indirectly, and this is what I'm saying why I agree with Haydn to a degree, because I do think that we are music snobs, we just do it differently. I think other people are too. And he was talking about how it's poptimism now and like there's a lot of empowerment anthems. That this stuff doesn't particularly interest me. Me neither. But I won't outwardly shit on it, on it, I guess. And I think what my stance has always been is like, like for example, I don't, I don't listen to Taylor Swift very much. But if someone was like, "Oh, Taylor Swift sucks, man. Taylor Swift, like I hate her music, man." I'd be like, "Oh, you do? Because like she writes a lot of great songs. Mm-hmm. She's insanely popular." Mm-hmm. And I think what it has, what's happened is, it's almost like music snobs in 2016 have internalized the best of both worlds and are like, I can see what's great about a DIY punk band from Philadelphia with like at most 60,000 listens on Spotify, but I can also conversely see what's so incredible about the unifying songwriting that someone like Taylor Swift or Katy Perry or Lady yep. Gaga is able to do, where they come out with a song and if you haven't heard it, you like literally haven't been outside. Right. And what has ended up happening for me is I look at people who are only about a certain scene or only about underground music, and I, I, I'm like, no, you're missing out on so much, actually. And I actually, you don't have as good of a view on music as you think you do because you're missing out on this whole other thing. You and I both used to be this way, me me in particular. I was like, going to say, yeah. In high school, early college, I used to be that stereotypical person who was like, no, that genre, that artist, that type of music is beneath me. It's like Andy Bernard, that art is bad. Right. In the office. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I used to be that way, and then I realized, I'm like, that's stupid. You're missing out on good stuff. And I think we had this conversation when we on the emo podcast where... There seems to be a stigma around that genre, which is bullshit. There shouldn't be. And I think we got caught up in it and we said, oh, no, like that's not that's not a quality genre that we should be listening to. Right. Which is all bullshit. And this goes back to our overall theme with this is like what you like, enjoy what you enjoy. Whatever that is, that's the right thing for you to be listening to. That's it. Which I totally agree with. Why do you think, Sean, it has remained seemingly okay Within different within groups of music snobs, I think our group of friends, our little local group here, everyone's around on our plane. They kind of view music in a similar way, or we've bullied them into thinking that way. Why is it then, Sean? Do you think it's still okay to make fun of country? This is a really interesting question, and it does seem to be the one holdout where it's okay for people to shit on. I think there's a few different reasons for it. One of them is the subject matter. And just the overall tone of country music seems to just trend towards being like kind of stupid. Yeah, I think it's just unintelligent. I think also it's about like I'll hear a country song and I'll, I can acknowledge like okay that's catchy. Right. I understand that's catchy. Right. Um, it's not for me, and I think the reason is country. Eh, you could argue this, but I think maybe more than any other genre. Is is caught up in and inter like entangled with an ideology. Yes, okay. country is sort of about okay, yep. like it's a it's sort of a right wing. Yes, sort like roots values music. Okay, that's a great point. I'm glad I'm glad you were able to say that in a way that I didn't. So so much of the subject matter seems to be around like just blind patriotism, yep. guns. Get like Second Amendment shit. Like, I can't get down with that just because your songwriting could be tight as fuck. It could be, and it is in many cases, absolute fire. 
if you're singing about things I fundamentally don't agree with, I'm gonna I'm not gonna like your music. The funniest thing to me about country is if you're if you first of all there's there's two things. One, my favorite game to play with country that involves country music is if the radio is on, switch to the country music station, listen to the first line of lyrics that are sung, always laugh out loud funny. Always <laughs> yep. ridiculous. Second I love that country is a bankable multi-million dollar genre with with musicians from all around the world. There are Australian country singers. I, I can't remember who. I don't, there's one really famous one who's Australian, and they all sing in a southern drawl. That's a great point. That's, Even if you're from Australia, you that's still really sing it. like this. Dude, they know what works. They know what sells. Because it sells. Two things. One, great point. Country music sells the most physical copies of CDs of anybody. Yeah. So when you look at the music industry, and people have said it's been struggling, country music is one of the only genres where that is not really the case. And you can always, like you said, bankable, like money. Money's going to come in on physical CD sales for country. It is. Go ahead. The other thing is that I've never been someone who's a music snob in the sense of, um, like if a band sells out, for example, that's right. never bothered me. I think that was a bigger deal in past decades. Yeah, it's never been a big deal to me. Like I'll always joke, like I love Aerosmith, even though they're the biggest sellouts of all time. Mm. I like their music. With country, it takes it to eleven, dude. It's too much. I don't think I've told this story on the podcast, but when I was fifteen, so at the height of teenage angst, or like nearing the height, I'm in the rising action of teenage angst. I went to a Toby Keith concert, and. This concert, the opening, like the little before he came out on stage, was essentially, I can never remember if it was Ford, Chevy, or GMC, but it was one of those trucks, and it was basically an ad for their truck, and then Toby Keith rode onto the stage in, I'm just going to say Ford F-150 for the shit of it, I don't remember what kind <laughs> it was, rode on, the crowd went nuts, and like to that to this day it's never left me, it's like what an, what a... You know what? Say what you will about it. It's an absurd spectacle. That's it's offensive. So, it'd be, <laughs> it is. It'd be one thing if this was all done tongue in cheek. Like for example, I think they have to know what they're doing, though, don't they? They do, but they. I think they buy into it. All of the because there are some like a Vince Gill I can get down with. He's a normal good country singer. Right. He's not going to ride out on no. a Chevy Silverado. See, that's the thing. I think if if they did it with at least a little bit of a wink and a nod. It'd be okay. It's like, we're just... This is the culture. We're acknowledging it. It's funny. For example, I think some of these legacy rock acts, like the Van Halens who are going back on tour, Guns N' Roses, I think they get how over the top their shit was when yeah. they were like actually in the midst of touring they in the height to. of their popularity. I think they get that now. And they're like, look, we're just trying to have fun. We want to go out and play some hits and have a good time at a rock show. I think they get it now. I do not get that impression with country music. I think they completely are eating their own bullshit. I truly, of all of them, don't think Toby Keith gets it. No. Toby dude, Keith no. is, I think, a true idiot. I would agree. So, Have let, you ever heard the song Courtesy of the Red White? Uh, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, dude. It's a, it's awful. I'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way, Sean. And that's a great... That's My second point that I wanted to make is hashtag not all country. Okay, Jake? We gotta keep in mind that not all country is the same as this right-wing, red-state, beer-drinking, gun-toting... Yeah. Toothless, kind, inbred... Right. It's not... It, that's not... That's... <laughs> wow. Just, just get as offensive as we possibly <laughs> yeah. can. No, well, that, that brings me to another point about country music. And I think, dude, we have a vault of things to say about this because yeah, we've we never talked country on Right. One thing about country... Is anyone you ever talk to about country music, even me, who, I'll say this, they'll say, I like country, but I like the good country. <laughs> hey, they have to qualify it. And and honestly, there's not a lot out there right now. There really isn't. There are some bands doing interesting things. There's, n But if you've listened to a country music station, a lot of, it's just, it's comical how bad some of it is. Yeah, so the thing I was going to say, I was going to bring up the Dixie Chicks. Right. Who were very, very popular in the mid-2000s, sold a lot of records. They ended up, um, speaking of Toby Keith, they were they said they were embarrassed to be like in the same genre or, or considered 
peers the with same thing. with Toby Keith because of that song. To be in the same record racks. And dude, Toby Keith, vindicative son of a bitch, went after them and kind of ruined their career, actually. Yeah. So, and when I say not all country, I mean that like there's certain people who are in that genre who are don't share the same politics and unfairly will get lumped in with these other the vocal majority. It is, I think, they'll get lumped in with them, and it's not entirely fair. A Sturgill Simpson, yeah, someone like good that. example released a great record this year, yep. one of my favorites, yep. uh, Sailor's Guide to what Earth. What was that other one, Margot Price? Yeah, Margo supposed to be Price, really good. I never listened. She's going to be at Newport's daughter this weekend. Yeah, I listened once. It was is pretty good. The thing is, that's the problem right there, and that story sums it up. It's that country music is kind of a hive mind of people who I think feel safe within it yeah. because they know that their political ideologies are represented by it's it. It's basically the equivalent of All Lives Matter on Twitter, right. except in music. It's like, this is music for white people by white people because yeah. we're a persecuted like subset of people. It's like, no, 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 you don't get it. You are the fucking majority. You are the you have every advantage. You're the persecutor. Exactly. It goes back. It's like the same thing as saying you don't know what courage is if you call Caitlyn Jenner courageous. That kind of argument with like the All Lives Matter thing is it's like no no, Black Lives Matter isn't saying other lives don't. It's just saying hey listen stop killing us. It's like look, our lives matter too. What really it, Black Lives Matter like, is missing is two. Right. It's saying let's focus on the issue at hand right now. It's like, you know, white people aren't being gunned down by police officers at the rate that, that black people are. Like, let's focus on that problem. That's what we're saying. Like, this is a problem that requires a little bit more attention than maybe whatever your all lives is trying to get at. I saw a great meme about it where it was like an animated little cartoon. And it was of this guy hosing his house down. It was a little cartoon guy and he's spraying water on his, on his house. And a guy comes up to him and he's like, hey, my house is on fire. Can we like? Can you like spray that on mine? And he's like, I think all houses matter. Yep. Like, I shouldn't have to focus Perfect. on just that Perfect. house. And he's like, right, but my house is actually on fire yep. right now. Yep. And he's like, and and it was funny because in the cartoon, the guy spraying the water literally says, "I think you should care about all things equally at all times." <laughs> and it's like, and the funny thing is, is that it's a weird reaction to Black Lives Matter because you know that people who are saying all lives matter don't really believe it. Right. A lot of people who say it, and look, like, uh, this is not like an anti-cop rant or anything, because my actual stance on this issue is, like, we have to support everyone involved in it, and that they're really, it's, like, too split. Like, and I don't understand how people can't think, like, that Black Lives Matter means that all cops are bad, or vice versa. I don't know how we got on this tangent. Dude, we've gotten real political with it. That's what happens when you're talking country music. It, it, is. it is. Because I think if you were in a crowd at a country show... And the, 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 the guy singing up on stage said like, like like said something disparaging about Black Lives Matter. I feel like a lot of people would cheer. That lift I, a beer to it. I agree. Which is gets us back to our original point, which is why it's still okay to shit on country yeah. because they have those kinds of ideals and they they think that way. And it's it's very easy, and I would say acceptable to shit on that way of thinking because it's, it's just it's it's so insensitive and wrong. It's too much. It's oppressive. It's like an oppressive ideology. It is. So and country music gets tied in with it, and it hasn't always been a part. You look at like a Willie Nelson, lifelong liberal. Right. You know there are people, and like there's no reason necessarily, country music, which is just one of a few different forms of American folk music, mm -hmm. gets branched that way. But it's happened. It's just and, you know, but yeah, I think it's interesting to look at this back, just in music snobbery in general is. It happens in different ways now. It happens in certain contexts, like we said with country, but I think you're right that there is more of this push towards just being accepting of everything mm -hmm. um, and understanding that pop music's okay. And that doesn't mean that it's, it has any less value than this underground R&B act. You know, it could... It's all just music, It's and it goes back to what we said. It's like what you like. So basically, if you're out there, if you're a, a music snob like us, and you think your group of friends might not accept you, let your freak, flat, let your freak flag fly. Hard to say. Yeah. And, uh, and pop on uh, an old pop song. Here's the thing. And this actually, I think this took us a little bit, Jake. And it's a strength in numbers thing. But if you're the only one in your group of friends who's like, I want to listen to this Katy Perry song. I want to listen to this Taylor Swift song. Just own it. 
Right. Have confidence in that it's good. And other people are going to feel insecure about, oh, wait, I don't like, wait, why don't I like this? Maybe I'm wrong. Just have confidence about it. I've been in this situation so many times. In my car, I'll put on a Taylor Swift song sometimes. People are like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, dude, this song's awesome. Yeah. And it kind of just freezes them. They're like, oh, wait, really? He's not, like, joking? Being middleman Jake, I had to be that person for a long time. Yeah. Where, like, I would have the argument with people forever about what makes music, quote, unquote, good. And I would always be the proponent of the idea that, listen, you may not like it, but a person's not untalented because they release music that you're not into. Yep. Like, people have to understand that. Right. Unless they play country. Let's move on. <laughs> then fuck you. No, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah you want to do a quick uh, whitest thing I did this week? Ooh. Um, I had one and I forgot it. You got to go first. All right. Whitest thing I did this week. This was actually a pretty mellow week, quiet week. Uh, for me. Uh, I, I would say the whitest thing I did this week, though, was I went and played in a recreational cornhole league at a local Irish bar. Okay, that's pretty white. That's, yeah. I also did that, um, and I am trying to think of the one I had. Okay, so my whitest thing I did this week um, was on Sunday... I went with Mary Kate to Portsmouth, which we've already covered as uh, as the whitest thing I did this week. Central, that's right. That's yeah. that's whitest place. That's ground zero. I've, that's whitest place I've been in my life. If you're not from here, yeah. So we went there first of all. Um, I got a burrito and we laid under a tree in the park and ate food. So that's how we we're already getting there. Then we went across the bridge to Kittery, Maine. So we went from white to whiter. Um, and there I went to the Kittery Trading Post and bought a pink-ish red Maine t-shirt. It just says mm. Maine across and, the and front. F- and for context for the listeners, I just saw it. it I laughed out loud when yeah. I saw it. it I, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it is the whitest thing I did this week. I like this shirt, though. It's one of those just, I like the simplicity of it. It's just a color and just text across it. But if you live in New Hampshire, which is already white, you go across the border into Maine and buy a fucking Maine shirt, that's pretty white. So I think that's, for yeah. me, the whitest thing I did this week. Um, that reminds me, when I was younger, my dad bought a shirt that just said, hike on it. It just said, hike. <laughs> and, like, in the letters, in the letters of hike, it was, like, this, <laughs> this like, mountain scene. And, like, this, like, cliff looking at, like, this nice view. It just said hike. Dude, that's like if people, if you had a shirt that just said basketball. <laughs> just in yeah, general. Dude. No affiliation to a team. Yeah. No, like, no yep. spin on it. Just basketball. Right. And it had, like, pictures of generic people playing basketball inside the letters. That's and they're the, white. That's the equivalent. They're white, and they're doing, like, a form layup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're doing, like, a... Like, right knee is up, yeah. right, yeah. Knee and elbow on a string layup. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're in like rolling shorts. <laughs> and like a just a plain cream white t shirt. <laughs> and they're doing a form layup. Probably yep. missing. Well we'll never know because yeah. it's on the So yeah, for, so to recap the whitest things we did all week, mine was going from New Hampshire into Maine and buying a Maine t shirt even though I live forty five minutes from Maine. And then mine was going to a recreational cornhole league game at an Irish pub in downtown Manchester, New Hampshire. Both pretty white. We'll see what the verdict is. Yeah, we'll put that out on Twitter. Jake won last week. He's 1-0 right now. Maybe we tweet a picture of my shirt for for context. And I don't know if we can tweet a picture of our cornhole set or of your uniform. Yeah. For like a side by side. Yeah. Two t shirts. Okay. All right. It's yeah. A tale of two t shirts. Yeah, let us know. Let us know. Jake, you want to introduce our next next segment here? Yeah, so we wanted to talk a little bit about a band and a couple things that happened as a result of this band. So I saw on Pitchfork um, earlier this week a review come out from Ian Cohen, who's actually one of the reviewers who I really look for now. I look for Cohen reviews yeah, to see me what too. he did. He gave it a solid 8 out of 10 to um, a band called Camp Cope. And so really honestly, just based on literally the number and his review and like the little bit I read, I just popped it on. After a first listen, I definitely liked it. I wasn't like head over heels for it. We'll get to that later. Because, um, and so based on this first listen, I thought, you know, like based on what I'm hearing, I know Sean would like it. So I shoot Sean a text. 
was like, hey man, like give this Camp Cope album a listen. I don't know if you've heard about it, but but you should give it a shot. I feel like it's up your alley. Segway to Sean, and what happened? Tell the listeners. So first of all, I want I I would actually like context. It'd be interesting for me to know why you think. Okay. Why were you like, oh, I think Sean would like this? Okay, so for even further context, Camp Cope is an Australian band. Um, Their lead singer is female. She sings sort of emotive lyrics, um, themes of sort of breakup, themes of, um, you know, sort of uh, finding independence post-breakup and stuff like that. Um, And she sings in a style that reminds me of, like, um, Julian Baker reminds me of Courtney Barnett, mostly because of the accent and some of the delivery. A little bit of hop along, mm-hmm. and so I was like, "Ooh, all these things are starting to come together." Also, their lyrics over melody band, the lyric, the lyrics they're writing are great. The melodies that she's writing are okay. They're good. They're good. They're not anything. You're not gonna like be humming songs by them because it's mostly a lyrical type of band. So I put two and two together. Mm-hmm. I was like, "All these elements mm-hmm. sound to me like a Sean thing," and so I was like, "Okay," and so I let you know. And uh, so based on that, you gave it your first listen. So I gave it a listen. And on the first song, the first song on this album, I was like, I'm sold. I'm in. I know I'm going to love this entire thing. And I remember texting. I was like, this is, I think it was on Monday. I was like, this is Sean Catnip. It it was. It is just, this is exactly what I was looking for at that time, on that day. It was the perfect right place, right time album. I think I ended up listening to that album the rest of the day. It was the only thing I listened to. I think I listened six times that day. Um, and I've continued to listen a lot this entire week. And there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about with this. One is the thing that you just talked about. The right place, right time listen. Yep. The right place, right time album. Um, this has happened to me, but the first thing I wanted to say was that um, this is an interesting thing about recommending albums. Because it was really interesting to me to have listened once... I got through the listen, I enjoyed it, I was like, oh, maybe Sean will like it. And obviously, when you recommend a listen to someone who who you respect their music takes, you hope they don't come back to you and be like, yeah, not really. Mm. You know, not mm-hmm. so much, not for me. Mm-hmm. I was actually blown away by the amount you listened, and then I was like, ooh, I, Sean has completely wiped me off the face of the map with this album. Yeah. I can't call this... like This is like my album it's now. Sean, yeah, which is weird <laughs> yeah. that we have this possessive know, streak about it, but I was like, you know what? Just get out of it's, the way. Sean's listening to this one more. It's funny because we could go through my Spotify right now, and there's certain albums where it's like, that's more of a Jake album. Ah, oh, yeah. This is a Sean album. Yeah, this oh, is a Jake album. And I know intuitively just by looking at I, it. I do too. I absolutely I do too. Do. There's certain ones where it's pretty even though. Right. Um... But this is one that has gone into this is Sean. This is Sean's thing now. Yeah, and like my immediate reaction was, I was like, I was like, oh, I should like maybe catch up. And I was like, you know what? Not no, happening. It's not. It's not. And because, I don't need to. Why that, would I? Why do I need to? And that's your point about the right place, right time. Is this is an album where just at the point where I'm at in my life right now, yeah. I I needed this, and it was perfect. It spoke to me in a very specific way, and it just it won't happen for you in that way. It, right. it won't. The, the, it, no matter how much you listen, you will not be able to feel the the certain things that I feel from that album. No, and no one can for, uh, replicate the feelings anyone else gets from a record. My takeaway from it is that I said that weird. My takeaway from it is that I like this album a lot. I like a lot of the lyrics. The songs are starting to catch up with me. I'm like a modest four or five listens in, which I feel is fair. Given that I listened for the first time this week and like wasn't yeah. totally loving it, I right. liked, didn't love it. Right. Um, tell the listeners how many times you've listened at this point. So, like I said, I, I listened like six times that first day. I think I've listened like at least four every other day. <laughs> I, I'm probably I'm like close to twenty listens now, that, which is so, which is great. Yeah. Um, and so this obsessive listening thing and the right place, right time thing brings me to like so the last time this happened with me was Whitney yeah which we've talked about on the podcast it made our first half of the year list but there was a point where with light upon the lake by Whitney it was just the exact thing I wanted um yep. and I was listening like multiple times a day I was listening every day um and it was it was one of those experiences where like I just I I would look through my Spotify I'd look through my list of albums I'd be like ooh, I could listen to this I could listen to this but what I really want to listen to is yep. Whitney and it would just keep coming back. I love when that ends up happening. Yeah. I live too. for that shit. Yeah. I, I feel like this happens to me maybe more than it happens to you. We all get caught up in the emotion of a certain album it and does. really let it like 
like live in it, immerse myself. Well, in we've it. talked about this before. You tend to listen to albums on like net more times than I do. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I actually don't really know why that is. I don't have a good answer for it. No, I don't either. Just um, how I listen. With this record, I legitimately think you like it more than me. Oh, I do. You like it more than I me. do. I um, do. With other records, I, who knows? Because you could have an album where, like, we both like it maybe equally. Right. And you probably are like five, ten listens ahead. Right. But I've listened enough to know it all. Right. So I don't know. It's it's a weird thing, and I'm not sure what like accounts for that. But yeah, there are fewer albums that. For me, I'm like, oh, I'm all in on this. It's all I'll listen to today, tomorrow, the next day. Yeah, and, that, and that's how I've been. So the cool thing about this one was immediately on first listen when I heard it, I was like, this is just one I want to keep listening to. It's easy to listen to. I get pure enjoyment from it. And a lot of the other albums that we've been listening to in July so far to kick off this second half of the year they've kind of felt like work to listen to, with the exception of maybe Blood Orange. And even that one isn't the same enjoyment that I'm getting out of Camp Cope, as much as I love Blood Orange. Yeah. The rest of them, whether it be Dikembe, that Henrietta album, yeah. some of these other ones that have come out, uh, Bat for Lashes, like they're all... Which I've still only listened to the one thing. I, I, I churned through a second one, and it was... I don't Enough think I'm going to listen. No. What is it with Bad for Life? I don't now, know, Why man. don't we get I, her? I don't know. I can't, I can't totally She's get down. She's pretty critically acclaimed. I don't know. And that's the thing. Like, this July... And this was actually kind of how we started the year out, with, except for Bowie, was... With January, yep. These albums come out. They feel like work a little bit. I haven't hit on one that I love yet. And then I think what happened with us was like... Um, was it like Pine Grove where we finally broke through? Yeah, Pine Warren? Grove was like the first, I think, great record of yeah, the year. Yeah, this feels like the first great record that I've discovered in the second half of the year. Right. It feels like I broke through with one. And it, this one hasn't felt like work at all compared to the ones that I've we've listened to in July so far. For me, an album that I, I like more than this one and that what has been like kind of a, a breakthrough for me in the second half of the year, even though it didn't come out this half of the year, was Mitski. Mitski has filled that void uh, for me. I still, see, I still think of that one as like the t- telltale end of the first half. And I know it technically is. I really didn't get into it till this half, so for me it's been like okay. kind of a July, late July. I think of that one as that is the icing on the cake, the cherry on top of an amazing first half. And you had already gotten into it when I that did. ended. I did. I, for some reason, like I didn't listen to that for kind of a while, and I've gotten way into it in the mm-hmm. past few weeks, so happy for you a little mm-hmm. jealous of your experience mm-hmm. with this record because I gotta tell you I would have loved it um, I really I like the album but you know whatever it's doing to you it's not quite doing to me right. not in a bad way which leads me so th- 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 I want to go to another like little segment about this so the lead singer in Camp Cope sings in a marked noticeable Australian accent yep. which I thought would be interesting to think about what would be the super group for, for a band think of a, a band a super group amassed where every member sings their songs and they all sing in, in accents that aren't just American accents. The reason this is even a thing is that big British bands from the 60s and 70s were mirroring the accents of the blues and right. rock and roll stars that they admired from the States. Right. So you have like a Beatles and a Zeppelin and bands from that era, they just sang in what sounded like the way you sing, which is an American accent. Right. But now, especially in the last couple decades, you hear more of bands singing their their sort of original accent. So the singer in Camp Cope, whose name I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know her name, but she sings in an Australian accent, like Courtney Barnett. Who are some others that, that stand out to you? Yeah, for me, I put on here uh, lead singer from Frightened Rabbit, mm. sings in a Scottish accent, Scottish brogue. That he does. Uh, which I really, really like. Um, there's certain words that he'll say that just ring with that accent, which is great. I think We Were Promised Jetpacks is another one, too, that also sing with that Scottish accent. So I think Scottish accents are much more... Um, they're a lot easier to hear. Because a, a lot of British singers, you wouldn't even know they're British. Because right. when you sing, there's no... Sometimes you just don't hear an accent. Well, it depends on the kind of British accent you're singing with. Like, for example, Alex Turner from the Arctic Monkeys. got that heavy Sheffield she- accent. Yeah. yeah, a band from Sheffield, England, as yeah. he says when they start their shows. Yeah. Especially on early records. I think on, on whatever people say, and you really, really hear it. And now with his croon, yeah. you hear it where he'll say, like, uh, but if you got the goods, like he yeah. sings like yeah, in an yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you really hear it. So he's one on there. Another, maybe one of the OG versions of this is like Johnny Rotten. 
yeah. from the Sex Pistols where he did the really tongue-in-cheek Cockney accent. Right, to, right. To bring home the point of, like, I'm working-class British. Right. Like, fuck the monarchy. Right. Fuck the, the rich class. Yep. Um, so he's in there. Who else do we have on here? I put Sigurós. You can, I mean, they have, like, a. you can hear their, what are they, Icelandic? I think something like that, yeah. There's some, like... I've never really listened to them, to be honest Scandinavian yeah. thing. Yeah. They also sing in like a made up language. Right. Slash Icelandic. They, slash they sing in like Elvish from Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So I think that we should, what we should do, Sean, are, here's the next steps. Okay. Between now and the next podcast. We've got to communicate with all these singers. Yep. We've got to do a like record company bringing together meeting of the minds okay. of all of these great singers who sing with accents. And we're going to form a super group called Accents. Easy enough. It, this should be done by maybe tonight. Going a world tour. Or your girl's tour. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was going to say it if you weren't. Well, and I never have before That's on the right. pod. You're always the one who does right. who, who do it. Who, you always so, are the one who does it. That's Sorry. right. I can't let grammar slip. <laughs> so what accents do you think we need more of? I, I can't get enough of the Scottish accents. The Scottish accent's great. You know what? I don't feel like I noticed, and maybe I don't know the difference... Where are the Irish accents? Some of these Irish bands, uh, good, yeah. Like, what's the yeah. difference there? Is it a little softer? Can, can we even name one like U two is a famous oh, as, as sure, hell Irish sure. band, and Bono sings in his like moan, yeah, his, his wail. Maybe that's not the best example. Well, I'm sure there's like, but he's an Irish guy born and bred, so like, that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, but the like, way he sings is like a little bit different, like. I'm thinking of... He didn't uh, sing it with or without you. Like, he didn't, like... Uh, yeah. Oh, that's more Scottish, the way I did that. Yeah, that's See, what I'm saying. That's really, really easy to come out. Because an Irish person wouldn't say you. Right. How would they say... I don't know. I don't I'm, see... Yeah. I I'm okay know. at accents. I'm not the best. I don't know. Like, uh, maybe... Hmm, that's a, actually a really interesting question. Maybe, like... Like, there's got to be some, some Irish... Accents, indie or some bands Russian out. accents. Yeah. Some truly, like, stuff we don't hear... Right. Like a, a band that is in America and sing with a marked German accent. Well, that's the thing is maybe those people are just singing German and Russian songs. Well, and, the thing, and we don't hear them. Right, true enough. And I'm talking about like things that get popular here specifically, right. though. And the thing is, actually, have you ever heard someone say that when you are listening to German from a distance, like people speaking German, it just like to your ear, if you're not paying attention, will sound like English? Really? Yeah, because it's just like a lot of the sounds are like sort of similar. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we. I you know I'm a fan as Camp Cope has shown me of the Australian accent. I am too. Because it's actually kind of an aggressive, weird accent. Yeah. So there's a couple lines in particular on this album that I really like. Um, one of them is on Lost, where she's like, "I want to be losers forever." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sit in bed and drink coffee together. Yeah, if you're, if, and Courtney Barnett does this too. I think she might be from New Zealand, Courtney Barnett. Oh, is she? Maybe she's a similar accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very. The Australian accent's an interesting one. It's like it's hard to yeah, do, and the way yeah. they talk is so weird. I'm trying to think. Like when she says, "Jet fuel can't melt steel beams." Yeah, and then on um, on trepidation, she's like, "Heard they met on Tinder." <laughs> Guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. On on Tinder. Yeah. On Tinder, mate. Yeah. Tango's and Wallabies, love. <laughs> they don't say love. That's no. a British thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, we're mixing it up. And yeah, we, we're just showing how ignorant we are. You know what is really funny is to hear British actors or people do American accents. Here's yes. an example. Benedict Cumberbatch in The Town trying to do a Boston accent. Ridiculous. Not The Town. Sorry. I was going to say Mass. it was like, wait a minute. Sorry. Black Mass. Yeah. Doing a, a Boston accent, absolutely absurd. Couldn't do it at all. You know who does an awesome job uh, is Christian Bale. Of yeah, because he, I actually had no idea he was British. So the yep. first movie that I actually heard him using his British accent in was The Prestige. And you thought he was putting it on? And I was like, oh, that's a great accent. No, he's he's British, and I had no idea. I always thought that Peter Dinklage was British. Oh, interesting. He's not. He's American. He's from, like, New Jersey. And now, when I watch Game of Thrones, I'm always like, his British accent's a little too much. He kind of projects it yeah. too much. I don't know. Yeah. You know who else does a really good American accent, despite being British? It's Hugh Laurie. Okay. Yeah. I once saw an interview of Alex Turner as well, where he was talking, he was being interviewed, it was like Suck It and See era, mm -hmm. Arctic Monkeys. He was being interviewed on, I think it's Studio Q. Have you ever seen their videos? Mm -hmm. um, John Goshemi or whatever his name is. He does really good interviews with, with musicians. And Alex Turner, as he's going along, he like turned to the band members and did a quick super bad reference. Where he was like, "You guys got Facebook?" Or and he did it or MySpace, whatever he, whatever that guy says in the car in Superbad. 
And I thought it was really funny because I was like, oh, he was just doing an American, and it was like pretty good. I love it when British people do American accents. It's hilarious. I work with a guy, and he is he's from England, and he's like from London, and we asked him like do an American accent, and he's and he was just like gonna go gonna gonna go get a cheeseburger, and like he like put on like this like. Very, very American. It sounded really good. Well, what I think most British people think you have to do when you when you talk like an American is you have to talk with your R's really hard. Yes. You have to say R. Yeah. Let's go get a cheeseburger. That yeah. friend. Yeah. My not mate because I'm American and I don't <laughs> right. say mate. Right. Wink. Like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it is interesting to hear. But here's the thing: we've gotten off track. We are getting accents, the super group together. Uh, before next episode, they might they may hop on. Did the pod. we ever remember what our U two cover band was called? Q two. Q two. That's yeah. right. Which that's we're right. not out of. We're in Q three. That we're in Q three. Yeah. Q two. Uh, they're opening for accents. So they're big break. They are. It's the big break. They, if they could learn to sing in an accent, maybe they could they could join up. But yeah. Yeah. Not not to happen. Um, I think we might we might be kind of out of time I don't know do we want to mention any uh, let's just do a quick rattling off of some okay. albums yeah to. some recent albums we've listened to Dikembe their new album Hail Something um, a couple from the early half of the year which we saw in the alternatives best of 2016 albums list was Henrietta and Half Wave both worth, worth checking out how about this new Aphex Twin EP it's good really, stuff I've been really really enjoying it, um, it it's, it's called Cheetah EP. Yeah. And I think the reference he's making is to the Cheetah like programmer or like pro like it's the thing that he's using to, to yeah. make the sounds and the yeah. and to that he's producing on. I guess it's a notoriously difficult machine to program. Because of course it is. Yeah, and well because if anyone's up to the challenge, it's Aphex Twin. I love Aphex Twin. Um he's perfect for just throwing music on and having it on as as just sort of noise while you work. It will never distract you because it's just it's nice ambient melodically interesting electronic music um, I think if you like Apex Twin you'll definitely like this EP oh yeah another one another EP that just came out Sean and I've listened to already a few times is Versace Summer by Jank yeah I listened for the first time today I, hot take alert yeah I like this better than the album they just came Do out you? with yeah interesting I am not sure where I stand on that debate but I thought this was just overall more enjoyable it's really enjoyable and I was going to say about Jank is I love this cross section of bands that are like half emo, half let's go to the beach and have fun surf Stoner music. dudes. Stoner. Is Jank like a joke on Dank? I'm not totally sure because I was, I googled Jank Like earlier. that super Jank weed, bro. Maybe. So here's the thing. There's a couple interpretations. So Jank, if you Google it, is any uh, stuttering, juddering, or just plain halting that you... What does it say? Users see... When a site or app isn't keeping up with the refresh rate. Okay. So maybe that's what they mean. It's like a, a technical term. Also, they seem very influenced to me by that stoner, like Tim and Eric humor. Yeah. Like the hat store on the first yeah. album is very much like it sounds like a Tim and Eric song right. with the corny chords and like the right. goofy little, like singing a song about a hat store. It seems like their humor is like. And also that, like, pronounce things wrong thing. So jank could be, like, a right. dank thing. Right, And their whole identity is all about weed. Right. Like, half their, th like, right. <laughs> half their, like, they basically are weed the band. Like, they just, like, they want to be, <laughs> yeah. like, about weed. Um, yeah. But their music is really interesting to listen to because it's, like, we've talked on this podcast about the two different types of emo, if you're going to put it in two very broad buckets, mm. where, like, one is more dedicated to hardcore, the other is more dedicated to, like, math rock. They kind of trend more towards that math rocky sound with like the the like um, picked guitars with the quick leads and stuff. They do that and they mix in some of like almost like a waves sound where it's like yeah. beachy. Waves is summery. I think is a definite influence on them. They have to be. Yeah. They have to be. Yeah. Um, another quick one I've been listening to, and we can talk about this one more later, is Ian William Craig, his album Centers. Um, if you like um, Tim Hecker. Or producers like that with like really atmospheric electronic music. This is an album worth checking out. This guy is, I think, like a trained opera singer. Oh wow! Or something, and he produces the music, and it's all electronic, and he sings over it. And he has a voice. I think that's going to be unlike anything you've probably heard in this genre. It's just like you can t tell it's trained. Mm, he has that really like sort of like opening up his vocal cord yeah. sound. What if you only think 
that genre is okay. Like the Tim Heckers of the world are only okay. I think you'd like this album. Okay. Yeah. All right. Do you not like Tim Hecker? I think he's okay. I thought that album was okay. Didn't you really like Juliana Barwick a lot? Yes, love Juliana Barwick. Do you Barwick. not lump that into a similar camp? Uh, I think Juliana Barwick's better, more interesting, more melodic. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think of them as similar. Okay. In some ways, Tim Hecker, I guess, does less... More, more. He's more just like straight up electronic, I think. Right, yeah. There's Juliana just, Barwick's awesome. Is this more in line with Juliana Barwick? I wouldn't say necessarily. I okay. think it's... It, I don't know. You, you're going to have to listen. That's actually... Ju- that Juliana Barwick album that came out this year is really great it's really enjoyable yeah and honestly do like anything atmospheric anything like that is so in my wheelhouse yeah like that's like very much I love that kind of stuff yeah which is why when you told me about the disintegration loops right by William Basinski is it yeah I I love those records I listened to I think the first two yeah both all the way through there's four of them yeah I just did three, too. four with my fingers. There's four of them, and each of them is like over an hour. Yeah, they're but they're long. cool to listen to. Yeah, they are. Um, they are. But anyway, so that's a quick shout to to some records we've been listening to lately. And yeah, like you said, Henrietta and Half Wave, um, those aren't they didn't come out recently. Like no, those came out first half of the year. But for us, they were new. Right. Right. And they're really right. worth listening to. Half Wave is kind of like an electro electro pop. And Henrietta is a very poppy sort of emo sound. Yeah. Like alternative. Alternative rock. Almost adult alternative. Yeah. They... They kind of remind me of We Were Promised Jetpacks in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's good. It's It's really good. It's like a 20-minute album. Yeah, it's literally, I think, 22 minutes. Yeah. And uh, there's... I was listening today to some really good melodic stuff on there. Oh, yeah. Very catchy. Yeah. Um, so worth a listen. So that's a look into what we're doing lately. I think with that, that's about that's the agenda for today. That's it. Any closing thoughts? Uh, nope. Just uh, listen to our NPR style correspondent who did the ad read at the beginning. Leave us a review. Follow us on all the different channels. Um, stick around for after the show. We have a preem team offer for you. And uh, and and we all hope you you cash in on this offer. Yes. Um, so until next time. See ya. We did it the opposite way that we usually do. Are we comfortable with that? I haven't stopped recording. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're comfortable. So just end it. Yeah. Okay. The podcast. Until is next over. time. See ya. actually been in a lot of different places. We haven't recorded a podcast in a consistent place since we've moved in. Since our last episode. Because we went to your room, the road, yep. the open road. That's right. The freeway. My room. Yeah. I'm interested to hear how this sounds. Yeah. We yeah. The din of some fans. But I don't think that will compare to the road noise. This, uh, no. This dim fan won't compare it to... It won't be like the equivalent of Massachusetts highways highway that have traffic. bumps every, like, 100 meters. Six feet. Yeah. And, the, like, significant bumps. Yeah. Should yeah. be okay. Should be okay. Um, I don't have any hot takes for the... For the pregame? For the after-show pregame show. I don't really either. I'm trying to think of something we can say to the pream team. Oh, oh, oh! Preem team, we now have stickers. Right. Yes. It's been like two weeks. We haven't brought this up. We have. We have stickers now. We've neglected to bring this up. Okay. So if you're a member of the Preem team and you've gotten this far in the podcast, God bless you. First of all, thank you. Second, second of, all, of all, we have. This would be third of all. I added a second of all. Third of all, we have stickers. Listen in podcast stickers that we can send to you. Um, so give us a shout on Twitter, um, share our podcast on Twitter and we'll, um, send you a sticker. Somehow. Yeah. Maybe DM us your address. Yeah. Yeah. On, on, on Twitter. Send us your address, share, like give us a retweet or something. And here's the thing, we're paying for postage. That's right. So. To to mail you these fucking stickers. (laughs) 
That's so the right. least you can do is like, throw us a, a review. That's like maybe thirty three cents a stamp. Do you think listeners are maybe too embarrassed to share it? They're like, "Fuck!" Like I, I can't. It's like if you, uh, yeah, it's like it's, yeah. Like when a friend who you know won't be a fit for a job asks you to, to put yes. in a good word, you're like, "I don't want this to come in out, out on me." Maybe that's what our listeners do. You like, put it, I you put their you put their resume right in the garbage. That's and, like us. And yeah, like you're like you like these guys, but you like, know they're not. We'll support them. They're our friends, right? In quotes. But we're not gonna like fuck with right. recommending them right. to other people. I can understand that. Yeah. How about this? If you leave us a review on iTunes or you give us some kind of social media shout out, we'll send you a sticker. Yeah. How about that? Tell a friend and then DM us that you told a friend. Yeah. Whatever it is, a yeah. recommendation. Yeah. Please don't lie. Like, come on. There's no reason to lie. Yeah. Just what does it do? Like, it's a, it, like an 18 cent sticker. Right. You could make your I'll own. I'll send it to you, you anyways. Right. Go ahead and lie. Yeah. Like, that's gonna be on you. Yeah. It's on your conscience. Yeah. God will know. There's a... There's a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right? And so it doesn't matter if anyone else does. This becomes a religion podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the lecture-in podcast. <laughs> Not lecture. What's the word? Lectern? Yeah. What's the word for a, uh, like a, a religious speech that a priest gives? Oh. Homily? There's like a different word. Um... Are we not going to get it? Like the priest, oh, the priest was, he gave a really good the this. Gospel? This morning. No. Homily? Because like what it is is he reads the gospel, he does all that, then he goes up and he like, he like kind of wings like, well, you know, sometimes. It's the homily. It, homily? Yeah. I feel like I've heard other words for that. Uh, let's, let's do a quick Google search. Okay. See, we ended up having... So here's what we did, Sean. We went from having no preem team content to arguably the best we've ever Sermon. Had. A sermon, yeah, a sermon, yeah. yeah. Just that's the, for that's for the non-Roman Catholics. You know what we do? We change the name, and here this will be a, a name change. People won't notice. We change the name from the Listen In podcast to just Sermon, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just me proselytizing about about our Lord. <laughs> we triple our average listens. I'm giving Sean a look like probably it's not even like a joke. Maybe we would. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's let's dive in. Thanks, Prem Teamers. Prem Team. Yeah. Get at us. Let's dive in. Ready? Three, two, one. The Listening Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. That's right. We would appreciate your reviews, your follows, and your goodwill. Thank you. That hold on. I didn't tell him to do anything. <laughs> Let me redo that. Let me redo that. Here, I'll, I'll just delete it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta be louder too. Okay, just you can just start. <laughs>